Will you follow me, please? Sure. Yeah, great, good. Come, follow me, please. <clears throat> Very good, come, come. Um, Mary, will you follow me, please? Just get in line with him. Good. And Rob, will you follow Mary, please? Just get in line, Rob. I'm, I'm sorry, Bill, go. There you go. Now then, <clears throat> just observe for a second, everyone. These people are doing what? Following. following. That's right. And every follower needs a what? Leader. A leader. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Thank you. You're all very good followers. You can have your seats back again. <clears throat> yeah. In Matthew 16, 24, Christ said, Whoever take, wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who are you following in your life? This guy right here, we don't know him. I, I don't. He's a happy guy, obviously. That's Mark Childress. He's the United States ambassador to the nation of Tanzania, a nation where we have missionaries who work, Scott and Susie Hampton. Ambassador Childress's job is to serve as the official representative of the, United, of the president of the United States in Tanzania. When he speaks in his official capacity, he speaks as if he were the president. He speaks on behalf of our nation. He's not the president, but he speaks on behalf. He is the ambassador of our nation, of our president to that nation. Paul wrote, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to him. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Let me ask you a question today. Whose ambassador are you? These hands are bound as the hands of a slave were bound and still are often bound. Slaves are humans who are treated as property. They can be owned. They can be bought. They can be sold accordingly. A slave cannot withdraw from the arrangement. He has no rights in that arrangement. What his master says is what he does, and he has little choice of his own regarding his life. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6.6, 6, But as slaves of Christ, he's writing to you and I, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Again, another question for us today. Who's... Slave are you? What are you a slave to in your life? A witness is someone who has seen or experienced something and they testify about it and provide evidence of it. And in Acts, Jesus is recorded as saying, Ye shall be my witnesses. You shall testify. You shall give Proclaim the evidence of me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Acts 1 8. So, you know where this is going, I'm sure. Who are you a witness for in your life?
At least 12 times in the epistles, the writers refer to themselves and to us as a servant of Jesus Christ. And Christ set that example in John 13 where he says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of, of wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you do also that what excuse me that you should you, you also should do as I have done to you. Who are you serving in your life? Here at Crossing, when you come in downstairs, from this side anyway, there's a bulletin board that's there on the wall. And it just says this on it, to be and make committed followers of Christ. It's our purpose statement. It's our mission statement. It, it is the statement that is supposed to guide what we do and what we say and our activities and our expenditures and our resources are supposed to be aligned underneath that statement that we are trying to be and to make disciples of ourselves and others who've come here and aligned themselves with our church. <clears throat> we, want to be, we want to be committed followers of Jesus. But the question could be asked, and it's a, a valid question, what is a committed follower of Christ? Scripture helps us understand that by describing a committed follower as an ambassador, as a slave, as a service, as a witness. And, and these are just the ones I've mentioned. There's others that could be brought bear, to bear on a discussion as well. But how do we know How do we know when we are committed follower of Jesus Christ? There are many who would say, I come to church regularly, every single week. Many of you are extremely faithful. The bulk of you are extremely faithful. We average about 210 people every single Sunday, 208, somewhere in there. And that's because there are a bulk of people, a lot of folks, who are very faithful to attended church. That makes you a faithful church attender. It does not make you a committed follower of Christ. We open these doors. We turn on the air conditioning. We put up these chairs. We buy our matzah. All that stuff happens because many of you are very faithful givers to the ministry here at Christ Crossing. That makes you a faithful giver. It doesn't make you a committed follower of Christ. Matter of fact... <clears throat> I'd even go so far to say that many of us are faithful to open up our Bibles on a very regular basis, sometimes even daily. That makes you a daily Bible reader. It doesn't make you a committed follower of Christ. These questions that we've asked here today, who do I follow? Who do I represent? Who is my master? Who do I serve? Who do I testify about? All of those are good questions. We can be asking ourselves. James says that the test of our commitment to Christ is in doing. But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. James one twenty two. 
Matter of fact, you can, I don't have a slide for it, but you can even go to that very much controversial verse that people get all bent out of shape about in James, the very next chapter, 2.17. And there it says, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Let me just tell you, folks, that verse is not talking about being saved. That verse is talking about acting like you're saved. It's saying if you say you have faith, but you don't ever do anything, that faith is dead. It means it's like going, that faith is not doing much good in your life. The way that we represent Jesus, the way that we witness for Jesus, the way that we follow him, the way that we serve him, all has to do with what we do. Jesus said in that same passage from earlier in John 13, he says, if you know these things, that's great. You're blessed. That's how many of us read that passage, isn't it? I know them, therefore I'm blessed. But the passage says, if you know these things and you do them, you're blessed. You can go back to the, the parable that many we teach our children about the man who built his house upon the sand. And the trick, the little hidden part of that parable is not where he built it. It's that he did what the Lord commanded. It's in what he did that made the difference. He listened and he obeyed. He listened and he obeyed. We know how well we are following Christ by what we do. We know how much of a committed follower we are of Christ by our actions. Today, these passages serve as a test. They serve somewhat as a pop quiz on discipleship. And the quiz only has one question on it. Just one. Those are the ones you hate the most, aren't they? When you're taking tests, aren't they? When you take those tests at school, they have one question. That's the one you don't like. Everything rides on how you answer that question, isn't it? Here you go. Get out your pens and paper, please. You have 10 minutes and turn them all to the, you know, hand them up front and I'll grade the test for you. What am I doing that demonstrates I'm a follower of Jesus? You see, we know the word. But does it come out in our actions? Does it come out in our words? Does it come out in our attitudes? We do our Bible studies. There's a group of you who meet every Saturday morning at an ungodly hour, and you do it regularly every single week. Yeah, amen. I got an amen out of that. But does that translate to anything the rest of the week? And here you go. Every single Sunday morning, I stand up here and talk like an authority. And yet it's what I do between 1120 
in 1030 next week that demonstrates my own commitment to the Lord. It's easy to talk it. It's easy to stand before us and put together some words and some passages and some concepts. But what matters is whether I can serve as your example in some way or another. And you should be thinking the same thing about those other guys around here that have elders and pastors attached to their names. You should be expecting us as your leaders to be setting that example. It would not be wrong to come and ask us, who do you follow? As sheep with a shepherd, you want to know that that shepherd has your best interests in mind. There's nothing wrong with asking. Matter of fact, it'd probably make us a healthier church if you did. And I guarantee you'll ask someday and I'll say, that's none of your business today. Come back the next day. We'll try it all over again. It's what we do that demonstrates. It's not what we know. It's not the books we read. It's not the fat libraries we have. It's not the money you give or the chair you sit in. It's that you demonstrate in your actions that you serve him by who you serve. You demonstrate in your actions and your words that you testify to him by who you speak about in your, cha- in, your, in your speech. It's who you're telling other people about Jesus, who you're describing to other people, the difference that Christ makes in your life. It's all of that. And so while we have a very nice bulletin board downstairs, the fact of the matter is, is what's happening in John's heart, what's happening in Mike's heart, And the way that that overflows out of their hearts and into their daily life and what they do, that's what matters. That's what makes us committed followers of Christ. Activity means you're busy. It does not mean you're committed. But when I represent him well, and when people come to you and they think, when I talk to this guy, all he's going to talk about is Jesus, you know that you represent him well. Because they know you represent Jesus. It's what we do that makes a difference. Again, let me go back and just restate this so we're clear. Many of you would go, oh, here he goes again. That's right. I'm just doing this so that one of these days one of you can step here and do this. This line right here is, is the line of decision. This line in the carpet right here, actually it's half, half court line, but we're going to call it the line of decision. This line on the carpet right here is that moment in time when someone chooses to follow Christ, they change the way they believe about their sin problem. On this side of the line, they're believing that they can do enough. They can be good enough to have a relationship with Christ. On this side of the line over here, they're saying, I'll go more, I'll do more. On this side of the line, it's all about doing and earning. So many of us are that way. And you come to a place somewhere in your walk, in your spiritual journey, where you come to this place and you learn, you come right up to the line. Your toes are on the line. They could not step over the line. There's no more room here. It's the next thing you have to do is decide what you believe about your sins and whether you can take care of them or someone else has to do it for you. At this moment right here, you have to decide whether there's any more you could do to be, have, have your sins paid for. There's any more you could do to have a relationship with God. And it's at this moment you have to decide there's nothing else. There's nothing you could ever do 
to pay for your sins. There's nothing you could ever do to have a relationship with God. At this moment, you have to believe that Jesus' death does that for you. That Jesus' death pays for your sins. That Jesus' death earns you into that. What he did gives you the right to have a relationship with God. And in this line is that place where you decide, I believe that. When you believe that, everything changes. And you step over that line, and on this side of the line, now you work. Now you do. Because on this side of the line, you do to show that that faith counted in my life. On this side of the line, you do. Because now, if it's true, if it's true that I follow him, then I have to follow him on this side of the line. I have to go where he goes. If it's true that I believe in him and that I am his slave, I have to do what he says to do. And he says, love the unlovable. He says, forgive the unforgivable. He says, reconcile with others. He says, give sacrificially. He says, lay down your life every single day. That doesn't mean you physically die. It means you take everything on that day that you wanted and you say, what is it you have for me, master, to this day? That is laying down your life. That's what he says when lay down your life daily. On this side of the line, it is doing. And that's what James says in James 2.17 when he says, Faith without doing, faith without works is dead. It means it's all talk. It means you're probably a very busy Christian. That's what it means. On this side of the line, we have to do. We have to work. Because it's in what we do that demonstrates who we follow, who we serve, who we represent. It's on this side of the line that that happens. When you begin to take the test today, a little quiz on there. Some of you took out your pen and paper and answered it immediately. Because you'll pass it with flying colors. You aced it. That is great. That is true that some of us will pass that test that way. That is true. Keep forging ahead. Keep resting in Christ. Keep allowing him to work through you. Some of us today looked at the paper, looked at the question, paused anxiously. And then began to carefully think about the right words to put on the paper. That should be a warning sign. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the areas of your life that are not surrendered to him. And repent from that. Ask him to forgive you. And ask him to begin a new work in you. That's the beauty of grace. That is the beauty of a relationship with Christ. He is eager every day, every moment, every hour to give grace, to forgive, and to start over with you. But there might be some who are here today that don't know Christ as their Savior. Let me say to you that my message to you is far different than my message to those who know that they know Christ. Because the message to you is not about doing and working. 
It's about stopping doing and stopping. Stop working. The message to you, you're still on this side of the line. You've not made that decision to believe that Christ died for your sins and that there's nothing else you have to do. You're still on this side of the line and you're working. You're trying to earn it. All your good works, all your education, all the things you've ever done, everything that you're bankrolling for your eternity will never be enough. You need to stop doing. And you need to start believing that Jesus died for your sins to do all that for you. And you have to go from believing that you could earn his good grace, that you could earn a way into heaven, that you could earn a relationship with him and believe that his death and his resurrection did all that for you. And you step over in that line and you rest. That he's already done it for you. It's a beautiful thing when you come home at the end of the day, ladies, isn't it? And dinner's already cooked. Amen. Yeah, I got to tell you, I don't know why that only brought out one. It's a beautiful thing, Dad, when you come home and the lawn is already mowed. You guys are pitiful. It's a beautiful thing when you walk in the house and the wife says, everything's great here at home today. (laughs) All right, I'm working on it. We're building up to something here, all right? Because you see, everything has been done for you and you step in and there's nothing you have to do. That is what Christ has done for you in the context of your salvation, your sin. You come home and it's done. You come home and it's done. And there's nothing you have to do but to enjoy it, to accept it as yours. But see, some of you are coming home and the dinner's cooked and you get out the pots and pans and begin to cook some more because you have to do something. And he goes, no, no, put away that, pull it out, pull it away. It's done. It's done. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I'm just telling you that he has done everything you need to do to provide a relationship. You simply have to believe. You simply have to just express you have a need. Talk to him in your own words. It is just so simple. It is just so simple. I would encourage you to do that here today if you have never done that before. And if you're here today as a believer and you've taken the quiz and you flunked it. You got a D. You got a C. You got a B. You got an A minus. Whatever your grade is, the great thing about a relationship with Christ is that, that He takes you as you are. You don't have to clean up yourself. You come and just say, I'm not passing. Please forgive me and do that work in me yourself. Who do you follow? Who do you represent? Let's pray.